Good morning, Downtown Moms Discipleship. How's everybody doing today? Yay. <laughs> well, we're missing Sarah Ring Jackson today. She's on a trip. Um, her kids are on fall break. Uh, I know that some of you are on fall break and your kids are, so thank you for, for being here today. I know it was a stretch for some of you with needing to get childcare covered. So it's so great to see so many of you here today. Well, I want to make a couple announcements before I introduce our speaker. Um, the first one is, well, you know, I was going to say there's handouts back there, but I think you've actually taken all of them, which is great. We have handouts from the first and second week, and we'll try to do that um, on weeks following every talk. If you, if you missed one for some reason, we'll try to have them back there at the table. Then also just thinking and praying for all of you this week and talking with some of you, and just know that for some of you, this is a really hard stage of motherhood that you might feel like you're just barely putting one foot in front of the other. Maybe you're barely sleeping. And I was remembering this stage uh, because I had my cousin with me for the past 10 days, and she has a one-year-old and an almost four-year-old. And I was remembering back to those sleepless nights, hearing her baby wake up in the middle of the night and going, oh my goodness. And Glenn's like, I think I have PTSD from children crying. Like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. (laughs) So to those of you who are in that stage, or maybe you just have a child who's older who isn't sleeping, or maybe you have a child who's a lot of work for whatever reason that might be, whether that's spiritual or mental or emotional, um, it's, it can be really hard. And so you just being here today, just showing up, putting one foot in front of the other to come and join community and be willing to be vulnerable and share your life is amazing. And I think God sees that. So just know that he sees whatever small efforts that you're making today. I wanted to just um, throw out a book recommendation for you. I have a friend and mentor named Sally Clarkson, and she just came out with a book called Mom Heart Moments. And it's a devotional. There's one devotional for every day of the year. And they're just short one page of reflection on scripture and encouragement. There's a question at the bottom. So if you're in this stage where you really want to reflect and figure out kind of where you're at with motherhood and be encouraged, I would highly recommend this book. Um, It just came out on Amazon so you can purchase it. So just want to throw that out there. Well, without further ado, I want to introduce our speaker today. Um, My dear friend Mandy Hool is over here, and she is going to be speaking with us today. Mandy and I actually met at New Life Downtown a number of years ago, and she's become a dear, dear friend. Uh, Mandy is married to Dave, and she met him in high school, actually, so they've known each other a long time. They got married. They have three kids, two girls and a boy, and Mandy is often homeschooling her children, coaching soccer. She's also a teacher at New Life Downtown, so some of you who have kids might see her in the hallways. She teaches at the elementary age, Um, but I asked Mandy to come and speak to us today about navigating being married and having children. All of that is a lot, isn't it? It's, it's hard work. It takes a lot of intentionality, a lot of investment. And I think Mandy is such an intentional person. And she's so strong and courageous and is always looking to the eternal and what really matters. And so I think you're going to be blessed by, by her today. So thanks, Mandy. Good morning, everyone. I'll just leave that there. Is that good? Okay. When Holly asked me to speak on marriage to you beautiful ladies a couple months ago, I actually could not believe that I found the word yes coming out of my mouth. She probably couldn't either. (laughs) This past year has been the hardest year that I've ever had to live through. The details don't really matter, but you just need to know I've been at my weakest and my most vulnerable. Dave and I, we have had kind of a storybook romance. I mean, his first words to me when we were 15 years old were, I rescue fair maidens. And he was in a knight costume. I mean, come on, crazy. (laughs) Most of our 16 years of marriage have been marked by health and wholeness and strength and vitality. But this year has been different. The loneliness and the disconnection that I've felt in my marriage this year has been the most painful experience of my life. Dave knows that I'm talking about this. He's proud of me. He's encouraged me to do this. So I just want you guys to know that. 
But to get up here and speak on marriage in the midst of this incredibly difficult year feels pretty hypocritical, you know? Like, God, I don't have anything to say to them. I don't have anything to offer them. But the pull to say yes was so strong. And as I've been praying and reading and journaling and having dozens of conversations, I felt God say, you are hungrier than you ever have been for the words that I'm giving you. I needed you to be hungry for this. And you know, even now, even now, as I think about who God is and the way that he moves and speaks and works in our lives, I have to smile and shake my head a little bit because of course, of course, God would ask me to speak on marriage, not when my marriage is at its strongest, but when it's at its weakest. And I actually was really disappointed when I came in and noticed that I would be standing on a physical platform because I just want you guys to know I am most definitely not on any type of spiritual or emotional platform as we talk about marriage this morning. This message is for me, and I've been praying that God would use it in your life too. Will you pray with me? God, thanks so much for the women that you've brought to this room. Thank you for the marriages represented. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is alive and working inside of us. God, I pray right now, Jesus, would you soften our hearts? Would you allow us to to feel the vulnerable places in our marriage that you want to come and speak and bring healing and wholeness to? I pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand the deep healing work you want for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. I want to give you guys uh, kind of a roadmap, so to speak, of where we're going this morning. I hear, Holly tells me, that there's a lot of you practical mamas. You want something you can write down and put on the fridge and perform in three easy steps, and voila, a transformed marriage. Man, ah, if only it were that easy. (laughs) I do have some practical tips worked in at the end um, of ways that we can cultivate connection during this season when we've got kids hanging on our hips and our legs and our boobs. Uh, But first, I want to talk about prayer and the vital, essential role that it needs to play in our calling as wife. And then I want to talk about our identity within the context of marriage And if you stick with me that long, we will get to some practical tips. Um, One of the most vivid memories that I have of God speaking to me was when I was praying for my husband. He had just undergone uh, surgery to remove his cancerous thyroid. And in the process, they had nicked one of his vocal cords, leaving him unable to speak in more than a whisper. He met with the surgeon, and the surgeon said, you know, I'm not even sure when or if your voice is going to come back. It had been four months, and we were growing very weary in this. He needed his voice for his job. He could barely speak on the phone to his clients. It was virtually impossible to have a meeting in a noisy coffee shop. He needed his voice at home to be the kind of dad and the parent that he wanted to be. And during this time, I would get up in the mornings And I would, you know, politely come before God. Jesus, heal Dave's vocal cords. I pray for your will in this. Even though secretly I knew what his will was, of course it's God's will for his vocal cords to come back. And after a really hard weekend, I remember this morning, I kissed Dave, sent him off to work, and I just fell apart in a puddle on the couch. And I was done being polite. I was mad. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was yelling at God, you have to give him his voice back, God. You have to give him his voice back. And I'm sitting there, tears streaming down my face. And I hear a firm but gentle, why? Why do you think David needs his voice back? And I grab my pen. I start furiously journaling my answers, annoyed that God's asking me such an obvious question. Because, Lord, we have no peace here. 
there's no hope here. Our home is void of joy. You need to give him his voice back so we can have peace and hope and joy. And I heard him again. Another question. This is what God does to us. And he said, Mandy, do you think that I can restore your peace and your hope and your joy even if I don't give Dave his voice back? Uh, well, yeah, God, I suppose you can if you wanted to. Then ask me for those things. This incredible prayer experience highlights for me three things that we make space for God to do when we pray vulnerably for our husbands. When we pray vulnerably for our husbands, we make space for him to speak to us. Now, I'm not talking about those prayer apps that like ding your way through the day and remind you to pray or your morning routine that's like, okay, check, drink water, check, do your yoga moves, check, say a prayer. I mean, I'm all for routines, trust me. I love routines, but this is something totally different. I'm talking about when you're broken and confused and angry and you come to God in those emotions, with those emotions, that makes this beautiful space for God to meet you and speak to you in the broken places of your heart. When we pray vulnerably for our husbands, we make space for him to help redirect our prayers and align them to his will. First John 5.14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When we are in communion with God, He redirects us to pray what's already in line with his will. And when we pray vulnerably for our husbands, we make space for God to remind us of his power. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. You know, at the end of the day, what our souls all really long for is God. God's presence. But when we get distracted and wounded and hurt by circumstances in our life, we have this tendency to sort of take some of God's job from him. Like, okay, God, you say you want me to have joy and peace and hope, and I figured it out. If you could just, if you could do this and change this and move this around, then we'll have joy, peace, and hope. So you take care of that and then we'll be good here. And Jesus wants to wrap his arms around us and look us in the eye and say, oh, remember who I am. Remember what I can do. I can bring hope straight in the middle of the darkness. I can usher in peace when you are surrounded by chaos, and I can fill you with joy even in the middle of a very lonely season. God wants to speak to you. He wants you to pray powerfully in line with his will. And he wants to remind you who he is and how powerful he is. I really think that when we start a consistent, persistent prayer life over our husbands, we will usher in God's power in our presence in his presence in our marriage. Um, I have a few verses that I wanted to show you to get us started with praying over our husbands. That's kind of small. Can you guys read that? You can read that. Um, But I think these are powerful verses to pray. I put David's um, name in here. Psalm 51, 10 to 12. Create in David a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within him. Do not cast David from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from him. Return to David the joy of your salvation and grant David a willing spirit to sustain him. Matthew 6, 9-13 You are David's father in heaven. Let your kingdom come in David's life. Let your will be done in David's life today just like it will be done in heaven. Give David today his daily bread. 
Give him exactly what he needs. Forgive David as he forgives those who have wronged him. Lead David not into temptation, but deliver David from the evil one. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. May David be strong in the Lord. May David be able to take his stand against the devil's schemes. Let David stand firm with the belt of truth around his waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with his feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Let David cling to the shield of faith, protect his mind with the helmet of salvation, and let his weapon be the sword of the Spirit. Man, those are powerful, right? I think that if really, it makes me just want to knock out all the practical stuff at the end, because really this is the most practical thing that I could tell you guys to do. Pray for your husbands. Pray powerfully for your husbands. Pray vulnerably for your husbands. I know that a lot of us, me included, are facing giants in our marriage this morning. We're facing the giant of depression. We're facing the giant of pornography. We're facing giants of other forms of addiction. And guys, I know that when we pray the armor of God over those situations, it reminds us where the battle is and who the battle is against. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And when we are in these battles and we come up against this hideous, grotesque giant, sometimes the bravest thing that we can do is ask for help. This morning, we have put a list of recommended counselors from New Life on your, y'all's table. And I just I want to take a second. I want to pray over this room, pray over um, our marriages, and ask God to give us courage and wisdom. Jesus, right now, I'm so thankful, God, I'm so thankful that you intimately know these women. You intimately know their marriages. You intimately know their husbands. You are well aware of all the giants that we are facing in this room. And God, right now, Lord Jesus, would your Holy Spirit just move? And would you bring courage to some of these women who need to stand up and to seek professional help, to seek counseling on behalf of their husbands and their marriage. God, allow strength to rise up in them as they seek your healing and your freedom. Pray in your name, amen. If you are feeling a pull to seek professional counseling, please don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Both Dave and I this past year have... um, We've gone to individual counselors, we've gone to counseling together, and we have benefited greatly from it. And the other thing I want to say, it took us three, I think, yeah, we went to three counselors before we found one that we felt like we connected with. So if you get courage and you call one of these people and you meet with them and it's like flat, it doesn't feel like it's going to work, please continue. Call another one. Keep going until you find someone that you feel like you guys can connect with. Before we kind of switch gears and talk about our identity in the context of marriage, I want to go back to the story about Dave's voice because you guys might be wondering. Um, It was almost exactly one week after I stopped praying that God would bring Dave's voice back that his voice came back. So that's, that's pretty cool when that happens. Um, yeah, thanks. So we are going to talk about our identity in the context of marriage. And to start this conversation, I want to read from John chapter 4. And I'm actually going to put Gigi on the spot. Gigi, will you come read this? So I can drink some water. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, 
So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks for you a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man now that you have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Thank you. Thanks, Jeej. This passage has been absolutely fascinating to study. I don't have time to go into all of it, but I do want to point out a few things that were pretty significant to me, especially in this conversation about identity. Uh, The first connection that I want... The first thing I want to talk about is the connection between wells and marriages. So Isaac meets Rebecca at a well. Jacob meets Rachel at a well. Moses has this interaction at a well that leads to him meeting and marrying Zipporah. So basically, if you wanted to get married, you had to go to a well. So the second thing I wanted to point out is that it really wasn't too long before Jesus has this interaction with the Samaritan woman that he does his first miracle, the wedding at Cana. He turns water into wine. And it was cultural for the bridegroom to provide the wine for the wedding. So in Jesus's very first miracle, he's identifying as a bridegroom. He's identifying as our bridegroom. How cool is that? So he identifies as a bridegroom. He goes to a well and talks to a woman, a Samaritan woman, And with this interaction, we all know he's immediately breaking down the barriers of race and gender. And then he's talking to her about her past failed marriages. And then he goes into living water. It's kind of this random, confusing conversation. Living water, and you're not going to worship on the mountain or in the temple. And the woman is obviously very confused about this. And she's like, well, you know... They're talking about that Messiah. When he comes, he's going to tell us what's going on. And then, can't you just picture Jesus, like, leaning in, maybe whispering a little bit, like, that Messiah that everyone's talking about? I am he. This is the first account that we have of Jesus telling anyone that he's the Messiah. 
to the Samaritan woman. And I can imagine as she gets up and she was walking away from this conversation, Jesus just thinking, man, I hope she gets it. I hope she gets that she's no longer defined by being a Samaritan. I hope that she gets that she's no longer defined by where she worships, that she's no longer defined by her past failed marriages, that now she is forever defined by who I am. Her identity is found and secure in me. This is good news, friends. It's good news for those of us who find ourselves as single moms. Your identity is not in your marital status. Your identity is found and secure in Jesus Christ. It's good news for those of us who find ourselves knee-deep in our husband's brokenness. Your identity is not found in the state of your marriage. Your identity is found and secure in Jesus Christ. And it's good news for those of us who feel like we can't ever get it right or a constant disappointment to our husbands. Your identity is not found in your husband's approval of you. Your identity is found and secure in Jesus Christ. Amen? I've been reading this book called Love and War by John and Stacey Eldridge. And in it, John writes very vulnerably. He says that there is a season in his marriage when he really believed that his life would be easier and better without Stacy. In this season, he caught glimpses of things he thought he longed for in other women's eyes. Now, it's foolish for us to think that our husbands can be 100% satisfied in us 100% of the time. I've been there, and I'm not sure whether it's insecurity or overconfidence that get you to this place where you're just kind of like, I can do it. I can I'm be the best wife. I'm going to do all the best wife things, and he has no reason to be disappointed in me. And I look at all that I'm doing. Look at all I'm sacrificing. And then we get just a hint of disappointment from our husbands, and we, we can't handle it. We get super defensive. We take it really personally. Let me tell you something, guys. Don't get defensive when your husbands are disappointed in you. They are allowed to be disappointed in you. Just because they're disappointed in you doesn't mean that you are a disappointment. In fact, it's good. It's good for them to be disappointed in us because where do we want them to get their satisfaction from? We want them to be 100% satisfied in God. And just like they need to find their satisfaction in God, we need to find our identity and our approval from God. It's a tendency for women to look for our approval and our affirmation from our husbands and then take that approval or affirmation or lack thereof and form our identity, especially in this season of life when we have kids at home. And I know this isn't true of all of us, but for a lot of us, we are at home with the kids. Our husbands are off at work. And a lot of times the need for them to see what we're doing, how we're spending our day, approve of what we're doing with our time, affirm us, it gets kind of out of whack because no one else is, can really see all the th- hidden things that we're doing. The things that we spend our time on feel so hidden and like you can't quantify them. And so the need for our husbands to know what we're doing it almost has this temptation to take over what God is supposed to say to us about that. The great news is that our identity is secure even when our husbands are disappointed in us. Their approval and affirmation of us is off the charts even when our husbands fail to realize how amazing we are. We were never, or excuse me, our husbands were never meant to carry the weight of our identity. It's too heavy, and it's misplaced. Um, I wanted to read you guys a blog post I wrote 
back in 2011 when blogging was cool. Or was it ever cool? I don't know. But this blog post I wrote is called When No One Else Sees. I wrote this the summer of 2011. Avery was four, Ashton was two, and Ian was about to turn one. It's 6.15 when I look at the clock. 45 minutes till Dave gets home, I tell myself. I can make it till then. Ian's discontent as I move him from rug to exorciser to high chair. I'm trying to mix up the pizza dough and keep him happy. Finger foods aren't cutting it this time. Avery's mad because our new bowling pins won't stay up. She keeps getting frustrated, so I take them away send her to her bed and almost lose my cool as she screams and stomps up the stairs. More discipline. More tears. More lost patience. Fresh from timeout, the girls are playing nicely in their room. I run up to check on them and my blood starts to boil. They've taken all of their stuffed animals out and are dressing them all in clothes from their drawers. It's a disaster in there. I yell out something like, This will all be cleaned up before you eat this pizza. And I run back down the stairs to put pizza in the preheated oven and set the timer. Mommy, Ashton pooped in her underwear. Avery's words just about derail me. I leave the kitchen again, and Ian is making his anger known that I still have not sat down to feed him. He is full out screaming at this point. I coach myself as I trudge back up the stairs Keep your cool, Mandy. Don't lose it. Don't yell. I'm disrobing and wiping and breathing through my mouth. And the timer goes off. I tell Ash, sit there. Don't move. And I run back down to pull the pizzas out, making sure to wash my hands first. (laughs) Ash is clean now. New dry undies fit snug around that cute booty. I put her in timeout, and she cries. She keeps crying while I get Avery up, set set her up at the table with her dinner, and feed Ian applesauce by the spoonful. The tears are about to come while Avery begins her incessant four-year-old inquisition. I interrupt her. I can't answer your questions right now, baby. I just can't. Ashton's still crying in there. Her timeout is over, but I'm hoping that Dave will walk into this chaos. (laughs) He needs to see me to see all I've done and how I'm trying so hard to love well in the middle of all of this. Someone needs to see me. And just as quickly as those thoughts enter my head, I hear him. No joke, I hear him. And his words bring instant peace. I see you. I wipe my tears, go grab Ash, kiss her cheek, Bring her down for pizza and peas. We're all at the table now. Girls are happy and giggly. Ian's content chewing on someone's discarded pizza crust. And just then, Daddy walks through the door. (laughs) Jesus, thank you for giving us sweet reminders that you see us. I pray that our souls will be satisfied that you see and affirm every sacrifice. Amen. I guess the point I'm trying to make here this morning as we talk about prayer and identity in the context of marriage is that our marriage is more about our relationship with God than it is about our relationship with our husbands. Are you praying? Are you praying consistently and vulnerably? Are you praying for eyes to see your husband the way that God sees him? Are you begging God for answers and letting him speak to your heart and redirect your prayers with his will? Are you finding your full identity in him? Do you have a humble satisfaction in the fact and the truth that he sees you? Are you seeking his affirmation? and his approval so that you can come to your marriages full and confident and ready to serve. I feel like this is a good transition to the practical stuff because I've found 
that it's very hard for me to try to connect with and serve my husband when I'm not praying and when I'm giving him too much power over my identity. I feel like the practical stuff only works when we are in a pattern of prayer and when we are finding our identity in Christ. So I want to pull up these practical tips. I'm not super great at practical tips, so after we read all of these, if you guys have things that you want to add or ideas, I would love to hear it. I think Holly's going to walk around with the mic, so be thinking about your own ideas for connecting and serving your husbands. Um, Okay, let's start with the connecting side. So date swap. I have some friends. Kelly, do you and Julie still do your date swap? So, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but Kelly and Adrian drop their kids off at Julie and Ian's house, and they get to go have a date, and then the next week, Julie and Ian drop their kids off at Kelly and Adrian's house, and they go get to have a date, and this is a really brilliant way. I have grandparents in town, so I'm lucky, but if you guys don't have something like this, um, that would be an easy way to connect with people around your table, set up a date swap. Ice cream on the front porch. I put this on there because... It's a really sweet memory that I have when Avery was just a tiny baby. She was born in May, and all summer we were trying to figure out what the heck we were doing. And so after we would put her to bed, we would sit on the front porch, and I would always have everything for 10 roof Sundays, Spanish peanuts and vanilla ice cream and hot fudge, and that was just a sweet memory during that first summer that Avery was a baby. Um... Movie on for the kids. This is a really easy thing that you guys can do weekly. Put a movie on for the kids. You and your husband go connect somewhere, have sex, you know, whatever. Um, I actually had an idea. You guys need to add this. I didn't add it, but have, have you guys done the EH, any of the EH classes through downtown? So emotionally healthy relationships, emotionally healthy spirituality are incredible. And I had this thought because Dave and I have been trying to do, there's, there's uh, like conversational tools that EHR helps you with to connect and kind of go to a deeper place vulnerably with each other. So this would be a great thing. You could put a movie on and then try to have an intentional conversation using one of the EH tools. Um, earning date cash. Oh, this is a funny story. So I feel like before Facebook Marketplace was a really popular thing, did you guys hear of We Ones Buy and Sell? Do you remember that one? It was like the first internet garage sale thing that I was a part of. And I remember this season, I would get my coffee cup and I'd stand in the middle of the playroom and look around and all the kids were like, no, don't sell this, mommy. No, don't, don't sell this, mommy. But I was trying to find all this stuff nobody played with and I would sell it and then I would magically get cash under my front mat and I would put it in an envelope for Dave and I to go have coffee or go see a movie or something like that. Book or podcast. This is something that we're just recently trying to do and Dave, he listens to so many podcasts. So when he finds one that he feels like is interesting, he sends it to me. I try to listen to it and then we talk about it. Um, TV series, I don't know if I'm technically supposed to recommend that you guys watch these, but these three were, there's just like a really special place in our marriage for these three series. We watched all of them together. Sometimes you don't have enough energy for official connecting, but just connecting on a, about a story, about characters that you've enjoyed, I think can be really special and meaningful. And then text that thread with him. I don't know how many of you guys have text threads with your girlfriends, but I have this um, homeschool mom group, and we text each other all the time. It's kind of out of control. And I just felt convicted about when I think of something inspirational or when God speaks to me, I shouldn't just be sending it to them. I should be sending it to my husband as well. Um, And then I want to jump over here to the serving side Uh, making his coffee in the morning. Now listen, if you're in a place where you're you're just giving your husband too much control over your identity, this stuff, all this stuff is going to do is make you bitter. So you gotta, you have to find your identity in Christ so that you're doing this not really for him, but for God. And then it, it can become a joy. 
Okay, making his coffee, playing his favorite music when he gets home. That's from Laura Fowler. Um, shoulder rub, foot rub. Now, this season of our life, Dave's been getting home, and he's just, you know, I can just see ah, the weariness on his face. And he'll sit down on the bed, and I've been taking off his shoes, giving him a foot rub just for a few minutes when he gets home. And that's felt like a really special way for me to serve him. Um, We need to not forget that they need affirmation, that we see the sacrifices that they're making for our family, the way they work hard for us. Um, Sex and initiating sex. Initiating sex is important, ladies. And invest in his interest. I put things that my husband's interested in. I'm golf, football, but anything that he finds interesting, if you can find a way to be involved in that at all, I think that that is really special for them to see that we are taking interest in things that interest them. Um, I've got one more thing I want to do, but does anybody have any practical things that they would want to share with us? Connecting or serving your husband? Oh, right over here. Oh. So something that um, my husband and I have made a habit of, like ever since the kids were toddlers, um, like they're now almost 16, 14, and 12, but when they were little, little, um, when he comes home from work, we let the kids like greet him and like, daddy, go crazy. But then um, after a couple minutes, we say, okay, you need to go upstairs or go to the toy room or whatever. Mommy and daddy are going to talk. And like we have kid-free conversation to kind of both debrief our day, connect and be like, how are you? You know, as a person, how are you in this moment? And it's good because, you know, being with kids all day, I'm ready to talk to an adult. And for him, he needs to like switch gears before he listens to a 30 minute conversation about this is my Lego creation and look at all these (laughs) things. And so that, I mean, that's been something that like, even to this day now, it's not as hard to shoo the kids away, but they still, you know, hey dad. And then you know, they would have a tendency to linger and eavesdrop. So we're like, okay, go, go away, do your thing. That's a great and, idea. Um, but it's just, it's been a really great habit for us. Yeah, that's smart. And then the kids just already know. So it's not even a question. That's good. Something that my husband and I have been doing when he gets home, similar to that a little bit, is the kids like, my son will attack him and they'll wrestle or whatever for a little bit. And then we get ready to go for a walk. And so we'll go around our neighborhood. Oh. And it's really nice because the kids are strapped in and we get an opportunity to talk. <laughs> we'll go to the park and they'll play and we'll, or we'll all play. And it's just nice to That's awesome. get outside and then have time to just focus talking. And there's something I've just found in general with like being shoulder to shoulder, walking and hmm. hiking or whatever it is that they just like brings up better conversation. So yeah. that's been really good for us. So That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. We actually connect over budget. Um, oh. And so it's a place that sexy, earlier... Kelly, that's oh, so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> earlier in our marriage, um, we had really hard conversations about money and both of us would be grumpy. And um, But we started using an app called um, YNAB, You Need a Budget. Um, and so it just kind of has a little bit different spin on it where it really encourages you every month to say, oh, well, this is our birthday month, so we want to put a little more money in gifts or restaurants or something that we want to do to celebrate. So instead of where our money talks used to be, well, this is what I want to spend money on, this is what I... It, we just feel like we team up now, yeah. and somehow that app really helped us with it so that we are sitting down together and we decide, okay, this is what we want to spend our money on this month. And then at the end of it, we feel connected instead yeah. of grumpy. So, and That's great. That's get great a tandem idea. bicycle. That is, you can tandem talk to your bicycle. husband. He's right there. <laughs> You're stuck. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. Why, what was the app, Kelly? Y N A P. You need a budget. B. Budget starts with a B, not a P. Okay. Um, I think when we, when you were talking about affirmation, I think it's important that we affirm our husbands in front of our kids Mm. and have them like join in with that. Like what's something that 
you love about your dad or something you're thankful for. Thank, let's thank dad for working so hard so that we could yeah. go to the zoo or we could go have a fun day. Um, so not just affirming him when like the kids are not around. And then something that we don't do yet <laughs> because we're just not in that stage of life, but we want to do when the kids are older is we, one of our friends, they have um, the husband and wife have like a meeting at sunset. So like oh. every, when the sunset is going down, like the kids go do whatever and they sit on the back porch and they watch the sunset and they catch up on their day. Cause it's just a way to like look at God's creation and it just kind of brings everything back yeah. to Yeah. And that's yeah. a marked time. So yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. like the same like time every idea. day. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, like with little kids, like we're still like cleaning up dishes and doing right. all that with right. little ones. But when they get older, I feel like it's more practical. Yeah. So it's a good idea. Anyone else? Holly, you have something wonderful? Practical. (laughs) Serving together has been a really big one for us. Um, We have a meal group, and it's just something to talk about outside of our kids and just a good focal point um, to bring us together and work on something that isn't like housework or whatever, Um, and it's how we met. So I, I just think there's something about working together on something that... Um, is really beautiful and deciding Bible studies or things to pray mm. about or, and stuff. It's just really brought us together for sure. That's awesome. Oh, Sue. Sue. We need to hear Sue's. <laughs> this sounds super spiritual and I, uh, I have lots of other little practical things, but, but we do like we love to pray together at night and mm-hmm. sometimes we're so tired and we are just like, okay, do you want to pray? Yeah, we'll pray. But we, we do it pretty consistently. And also another thing um, is giving. Mm-hmm. We love to figure out like what ministries do we love and what do we want to support? And mm-hmm. um, it's a real shared uh, thing. And it's also, I mean, it's not just giving out of abundance, you know, it's giving out of like, a sacrificial right. part in it, and it's a togetherness thing. Oh. But we also liked watching Downton Abbey together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Downton Abbey. That should go up there, too. Okay, go ahead. Well, I've found that if we can just do something to really have fun together and laugh, um, we'll go to the Penny Arcade, and oh, I fun. will just be roaring with laughter after yeah. <laughs> playing, you know, um, air hockey and yeah. stuff like that. But we also... When we were dating and before we had kids, um, we played a lot of like board games and games. That's something we both really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And so I found if we're not too tired, even if there's like a brainless game like Bananagrams, you don't have to yeah. think too hard. Um, just connecting over a game because you end up laughing and talking and you just kind of feel more like, oh, I'm a human being and not, you know, yeah. mom and dad who yeah, are that's exhausted. That's a great idea. So games and fun right behind you. So this might seem like a no-brainer. My husband um, is in the military, and so he just recently got back from a deployment. And so when he's gone, we email a ton. Um, But I've gotten in the habit of, like, trying to drop him an email just at his work email and mm-hmm. just saying like, hey, thinking about you because it's just a way that we usually don't connect, Yeah, especially when he's home. I love that idea. Anyone else? I'll, I'll share one thing, Mindy. Okay. Um, I was just thinking like the probably the most consistent way that we connect is just really at night, just conversation before bed. And I think if we go days where it's just really crazy, sometimes I'll think, well, we'll just wait for a date or we'll wait for something. But I think we're doing, staying the most connected when even if we take like 15 minutes at night, if we're just sitting or laying in bed to just kind of a some question that would be like a, how is it with your soul? How are you feeling? And just being able to even do a 15 minute sort of quick processing, I think helps us stay connected, helps us know what's on our hearts, what's been hard, how are we feeling joy, those kind of things. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, So this is a kind of silly one, but just like music is a big thing in our house. Like there's just always music. And so one of the things that, and I think our kids love seeing us do it too, is my husband will just grab me and we just start dancing. Aww, that's so so sweet. Just, just dancing for us, just yeah. being silly. And, and then like the kids get to see it. And so it's just yeah. I love a really that. fun way to connect. So That's a great one. Okay. I can't end on the practical. Sorry. I've got to go back to, okay. So this, this book actually Holly recommended to me. It's called Just Us Girls. It's a middle school devotional book 
that I'm doing with my daughter, and it's been so sweet. There's a chapter in the middle that's all about having realistic expectations for romance and addressing the idea of waiting for the love of your life. And she has this really sweet description of kind of the dream husband, the man that we all want to be loved by. And I want to end our time reading this to you guys. He's madly in love with you. He thinks about you all day and all night. He knows your favorite color, your favorite food, your favorite movie. He loves to make you laugh and hates to see you cry. He always wants to talk and is ready to listen. He makes you the priority. He spends an eternity thinking of ways to romance you. He'd lay down his life for you. Actually, he already did. He thought of you with his dying breath. He stood in your place to protect you from the trouble you got yourself in. His love for you was so powerful that death itself couldn't hold him. He wrote you the 66-book love letter that has changed the world. He's madly in love with you. Jesus Christ is what we long for. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the ways that you have met us, that you've spoken to us. God, I pray right now um, that anything that was said this morning that you want to go deeper with, God, I pray that that would stay in our hearts and our minds, that you would seal your truth over us, God. I pray that as we get up and we walk out of here, we would remember that our identity is marked by you, Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would do deep work in our marriages and our husbands. Help us to carve out time to persistently and consistently pray your power over our husbands and our marriages. And God, if there are women in this room who would benefit from seeking professional counseling, I pray that you would give them courage, that you would lead them to counselors who can connect with them and help them walk towards freedom and healing, God. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Okay, I think we're going to do some Q&A. Do we still have time for that, Holly? Oh, yeah, we do. Okay. So I don't know if there's any questions, anything. Hey, Mandy. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) Um, Growing up, I did not have a good picture of what a healthy marriage looked like. It was not modeled well to me. So what advice do you have in showing that to our kids? Like Hmm. through this hard year, have you... Have you talked to your kids about that? This is a hard year for mommy and daddy and our marriage. You know, like, how much are you, I guess, are you exposing your kids to that and training them up? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, We haven't specifically talked to the kids about um, it being hard, specifically between Dave and I. But they do know that things aren't, I don't know, there's just a... Um, a kind of feeling, I think, that they know that things are a little off. But what I've been doing with the kids is we've been praying and listening to worship music a ton together. And I think that some of the ideas that y'all have talked about, I mean, dancing in the kitchen or saying affirmations to dad, I feel like those are great ways to model what it looks like. And this isn't just, oh, when you feel like doing it, but if you have marked moments where like right when daddy gets home or after dinner or at sunset, when you are trying to be intentional about your relationship in front of the kids, I think that's a great idea. So, so I feel like we're kind of, my husband and I are kind of in a hard season. We have um, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, and then a five-month-old baby. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like 
when my husband's done working, he likes to go to the garage and tinker and do his like projects. And then, right. cause he likes to stay busy. And then my two um, boys like to go outside with him. And I feel like I'm just kind of always with the baby yeah. and we're having a lot of like, just maybe a little bit of a hard time connecting because we're both kind of at our limit. Like, you know, like what would, right. advice would you give, I guess, in that kind of situation or chapter, do I you, guess, this chapter. Do you have um, family in town or close friends in town? Um, we don't have family in town, which makes it difficult because every right. date night's a little more expensive. With, right. um, but our neighbors are good friends. So I guess we spend some time with our neighbors. Your neighbors. And you trust your neighbors with the kids? And yeah. I, well, I that, well yeah, okay, let's not our go there. second Here. one's really hard, so I don't, like, leave them with anyone. Right, yeah. right. Well, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm just thinking if there is a way for your five-month-old to be content for even 15 minutes by, is it a girl or boy? Girl. By, by herself, like, in a crib, or, and you could connect with your husband before he goes out to work in the garage. I don't know if that's something he'd be willing to do, or... I know that time of day is just so hard. It doesn't yeah. feel like you can have a consistent connection point. Like, I don't know what Holly was saying about connecting right before you go to sleep. I would encourage you to talk to your husband, like really want for us to spend at least 15 minutes in the evening just talking about our days. So what would be best for you? Is it right when you get home? Is that a good time to talk right before we go to bed and just see... What he thinks, what, I yeah. mean, I'm sure he'd be willing to kind of meet you in the middle on that. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This isn't a question, but just something I've realized about myself about this connecting is when he gets home, I'm often not ready to connect. I'm an introvert mm -hmm. and I've been talking all day and I find myself when he comes home that we just don't transition well. I'm barking at him and I'm barking at the kids and last night, he took the boys to Costco to get something. Mm -hmm. And I had like 45 minutes to take a walk. It won't be every night for 45 minutes, but it was a revelation mm -hmm. for me. Maybe I could tap out and you can tap in even just for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I can take a walk. And, and then I felt so much more ready to come home and to connect, to yeah. actually converse instead of just get them to bed as soon as I can right, and then right. get in All front the of the logistics. TV and zone out. And so that, I just, that was a little revelation for me. It was, I just need a second yeah. away from the kids. And even if it's only like you're saying 15 minutes, I was way more ready to connect than I usually am. Right. When he gets home, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to connect. Yeah. That's but, a good point, like, Karen, because I think the key here is communication, right? So when you get home and you're like, I just need some time to myself then that instantly creates more conflict. Whereas if you've decided ahead of the time, ahead of time, okay, when, when you get home, I'm going to have 10 minutes. This is sort of a pattern that we're going to try to follow for the health of our marriage and our family and just have it preset, I guess. It's a good idea. Um, my husband and I went through a lot of stuff before we got married and now we've kind of been cruising um, which I'm very thankful for, but we've had a lot of friends have really hard marriage experiences and times. How can we be friends to people hmm. and couples that are going through a really hard time? Yeah, that's like, a great question. Um, I would say the first thing is prayer. And I think it's hard because not everybody wants to or feels like they can be vulnerable about the things that are going on. Um, but the Holy Spirit is so great for that because I feel like if you're in, in communion with him about these friendships that hopefully he would lead you to send a text, to send a prayer, to send scripture. I know for me during this time, these girls over here know, like them sending me scripture and prayers have been lifelines because it's kind of like I'm not in a place where I can just talk to you about everything right now, but just to know that you're praying for me, to know that you see me, to know that you are believing truth for me and for us. I mean, that's invaluable, I think. We had a, thank you. We had a, a babysitting co-op and 
there was a ton of people on in that co-op, but it got down to five to three couples that you felt okay, you know, really good with our kids being at their house. But we would swap babysitting that way, no cost for babysitter, mm-hmm. and you know, go out and share an entree or whatever. You know, it was very um, inexpensive time. And your kids loved it. If they liked the kids, they loved right. it too. And it's just a easier. And I think it's a it's a bonding thing, you know, to help each other too. Right. So I just would suggest that. Yeah, it's a good idea, Sue. Getting time away from the kids. I mean, it's it's important. We gotta make the effort to do that. Uh, going back to kind of the transition of like coming home and that. Um, What's something that's helped for my husband at times is giving him permission because, like, knowing and communicating, I need you to be on when you get here is so good. (laughs) But even for him, like, if you, like, I need you to be ready to come in. And so if you need to drive around the block a couple more times or sit in the car for five or ten minutes so and pray or whatever it is so that when you get here, you're ready. I will, I will, I can hang on for that. Yeah, that's awesome. If you're ready. So, but that's, that's been, a good that's idea. That's been really yeah. good. Please pray before you walk in the door. Please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this kind of piggybacks off what Karen said, but I heard it on a podcast once and it has just been a lifesaver for me and my husband. Um, Cause I have a almost two year old and a four and a half year old mm-hmm. and there are days where I just feel like it's just sensory overload. Like yeah. at the end of the day, I'm like, nobody touch me. Nobody look yeah. at me. <laughs> Nothing else can be sticky, you know. Right. So just for my husband to understand that sometimes when he comes home and he wants to, you know, be all affectionate and stuff, that again, just allowing that time, it's, it's not you, dear. Right. I, I adore right. you. But I just need, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes to just not be touch not be you know just to just to have like some quiet time like Karen was talking about but I think just to add kind of that communicating with them in the sense to understanding like you know these are all the reasons why and it's not that I don't want to be intimate or affectionate with you in this moment it's just that I need like a debriefing period exactly and when you communicate it ahead of time then it's it doesn't become a place of pain right because it's just an already absolutely expectation days where I'm totally fine Mm -hmm. I'm like Sure, you know, but then there's days, and it's just, and it's like the, ahead of time, the the text message, Mm -hmm. you know, or the... We need multiple um, code words. Yes, the code words, (laughs) the, you know, maybe not every day, but just making sure that um, they know what we need. Yeah. So. To get that. I literally told Evan, I hope he screams for you like he screams for me all day. <laughs> Your blog awesome. like replayed right. my day before That's yesterday. That's awesome. So <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> they need to be a part of it. They need to hear it. Yeah. I know. I just I just finished this book. It's called Love Unending by Becky Thompson. It's actually a girl that I went to college with, and she has a couple different. But it's rediscovering your marriage in the midst of motherhood, and it's really nice because oh. it's it's 21 days, and it's just kind of like she talks about like the the big like essence of the book is starting like your marriage, like remembering what it was like, like the first day that you met or the first mm-hmm. day you fell in love, and like going back and treating him like the same way you did That's like cool. in those very beginning days What's but it's the like title it's called love unending by becky thompson love and ending unending Un-ending. sorry okay no okay <laughs> but it's i mean you just do like one <laughs> love and ending no what? no 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 <laughs> that would not be a recommendation um but yeah it takes like maybe 10 minutes a day and then it has like questions in the back that you can kind of like evaluate like how are things cool. going whenever you try to like you know, speak to them. Um, let me see. Yeah, like greet lovingly, speak kindly, touch purposely. Like each one, it just has mm-hmm. like very intentional and it's really practical. So I'd recommend that. That's one. awesome. It's really good. Thank you. So check that out. Hi, buddy. How's it going? One last idea yeah. regarding the serving. Right. I know the love languages book is old. But I remember finding out my husband's love language is serving. Hmm. And when I served him and cleaned his truck, you thought I... (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't know. He just was like, That's oh a good my point. gosh, you cleaned my truck for me. Like, oh, that made him like the happiest guy, you know? So Yeah. That goes back to the whole him. communicating. How do you actually feel and receive love from me? What actually makes a difference? That's a good point. <laughs> So cute. Mandy, can yes. you give the author of the Just Us Girls book? Oh, yes. Hannah Duggan. Is that how you pronounce it? Dugan? I'm not sure, yeah. D-U-G-G-A-N. And I will try to put um, in our in our email. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, in the email update after this one, I'll try to put links to um, the book. So if you suggested something, will you please just email it to me? That would That's be a great. Idea. So. Well, thanks, everybody. Yeah. For Thanks to Mandy for being yes. with us. <laughs> and thanks for all your questions and ideas. I think this was really helpful, encouraging for all of us. Just a couple quick announcements before we go into discussion time. In a couple weeks, we're going to be having um, a panel with people from the community on raising a globally-minded child. And so these are people from who grew up in different cultures, different parts of Colorado Springs, who just want to kind of share with us their experiences. And, and I think it'll be really, really great to hear from them. And then a couple weeks later, Sarah Rain Jackson and I are going to do a Q&A. And so I will be sending out in a few weeks um, a format. It's called I don't know if you say it, Slido maybe, but it's where you can submit questions ahead of time. So if you, so just, I'm telling you now so you can start thinking of things like, oh, I'd really love to have a bit of a conversation about this and it might not be something we're going to get to this semester or for a while. Um, and then you can actually go in on Slido and vote and say, like if um, Linda put a question in there and Laura's like, oh, I, I definitely want them to talk about that. So you can vote and we can see like what are the top questions that people submitted. It's kind of a cool format. I was just at a conference where they use this. So I'll be sending you that link, but just giving you the heads up to kind of just think about that to submit in a while. So, okay. Happy discussion time. Thank <laughs> you.